0: What a sci fi Saturday night. Oh, that's right. I uh, listen, and this is good. Thank you for having me on. This is Adam West and AdamWest.com. Don't forget that AdamWest.com. We have so many goodies for you.
1: We will begin a in mass invasion.
2: We'll tell your people to surrender now, and avoid war.
3: Don't
4: think you get me so easily!
2: It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule.
0: It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and we will give you a witchcraft.
1: Run the entire world. We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. To bring you all. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up.
0: Bye bye Saturday night.
1: You know, I've watched Craig Ferguson for so long, and he usually ends an interview with an awkward pause. Uh, much like the awkward pause that ran halfway through our intro for some ungodly reason. You're oh, welcome. I have you're welcome, yes. Hello, Crab Nebula Rangoons, and welcome to Talkcast 239. Another attempt to fill your mind with what passes for nonsensical science fiction stuff. Deep in Area 51 on the sub level 66, Pangalactic Null G Masters and Johnson Certified Cooking School. Just let that sink in for a minute. I'm the man without a genome, known only as the Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight are some of our usual suspects in the Revere Time Vortex, our violence soundboard vixen, Contessa of Sparkles and Stuff by Princess Rhetoric, It's room Guild, girl genius, Kriana.
4: Ooh, Shiny.
1: From the stacks of her personal Calm space in the dank dungeons Only indoor zen and Vegetable garden which doubles as a Robot reading room tonight playing cat Herder because cats The sombrarian
4: Who forgot to unmute herself again
2: (laughs) I'm hitting the button and it's not Unmuting I swear (laughs)
1: Uh
4: nobody huh? believes that nobody. No,
1: believes I got that. the beach ball and it was
4: horrible. <laughs> so so Brian Wilson, you're blaming it on Brian Wilson. That's Fine. Right. The
1: beach balls,
4: yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> so uh Deb redhead for some ungodly reason was is, is not here tonight. We hope all is well with her. Uh and, and I don't know what we're going to do for a Boston Comic-Con update for this 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 show, but we'll we'll think of something. We have two guests tonight because two's better than one and one's better than three or, or I've lost the train of thought there. Um, normally we do one guest, but for the past five or six weeks, we've been doing two, three, four, five and six guests. So I guess normally doesn't apply to us, which it never actually did. Uh, later on in the show, we are going to be talking with Mr fashion statement himself from the Blackwell Awards, Bob Almond.
3: Hello.
1: Oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. From the Inkwell Awards. That's what it is. I'm so sorry. And we're going we're gonna to be talking about this year's Inkwell Awards. Forgive me, Bob. We'll, we'll, we'll get it straight by the time we actually get there. Uh, and we're going to start the show talking uh, to some of the artists uh, over the next couple of weeks who are going to be in Artist Sally. You know, normally when we talk about the big cons, we talk about the the name artists, the world-renowned artists who are going to be there. We talk about the 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 porn stars and and uh, wrestlers. Hey,
4: I have it on good word that she used to be a man.
1: <laughs> She's the one who told that she used to be a man. I
4: know it's a pretty it's reliable definitely... source, if you know yeah, what I mean. I,
1: I would think so, but very rarely does it take do the guys from Artist Alley get a chance to talk, and for the next couple of weeks, we want to bring to your attention some of the people in Artist Alley who are coming along uh, and who are going to be at Boston Comic-Con, and this week we're spotlighting Brian Roll. Brian,
3: welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Um, Cool stuff. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no the, the correct response there is was that a question and the answer is no it actually wasn't so Brian let's talk a little bit about your, your website Odyssey Art and uh, you know this stuff that's going on there
3: okay um, Odyssey Arts it's, um, it's a name I started uh, back in 2001 um, just as a, a side gig Uh, to my full-time job. Um, You know, I started out doing freelance and some graphic design work and then um, quickly moved over to more pop culture kind of art. And over over
1: this actually started, you you started your art career kind of in high school?
3: No, I mean, I I started drawing when I was a little kid, Um, you know, crayons and and uh, you know, colored pencils and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then, officially, um, professionally, I started uh, after college, um, and that's that's where the Odyssey Art came in.
1: Odyssey Art. When you go there, it's it's a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, you you've worked in the sports field. Doing,
3: uh, yeah, I did some, I did some work for the, the New York Yankees, which I'm sure is not going to play well with your audience, uh, up in Boston. But, um, uh, and you know, I I think, I think the thing that really started me was, um, I played baseball in college and, um, after I graduated, a lot of parents asked me to do portraits of, of their son, um. you know, my, my former teammates. And so it kind of just started there and, and took off.
1: Now, did you also uh, work for a time for uh tops trading cards?
3: I did. I did some sketch cards, uh, with them, um, which was a pretty intense, uh, experience. Um, <laughs> doing that many cards, you, you know, they, they ask you how many you want to do. And, and your initial reaction is, Oh, I'll do as many as you want me to do. And then you kind of get into it and, uh, the deadline's getting closer and, and you've still got a lot to go. And, (laughs) um, so it was, it was a good experience, but, uh, I, I have not done it since. (laughs) But all all these
1: kinds of experiences have helped you put together the kind of art style and, and, uh, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to say what your art style is because you're doing so many different things.
3: Yeah, I you know, it's funny. I, probably about 10 years ago, um I took my portfolio to to a convention and um I ended up talking to Greg Horn, um mm-hmm. and you know, he basically told me your style is very different and different is good. So don't try to, you know, uh, make it look like everybody else's. Just keep on with the original style. And, um, you know, I really took that to heart. And I, I appreciated him taking the time to, to talk to me and, and um, you know, really encourage me to, to to push on. So do you have
1: a full-time job as well as what you're doing art-wise or... Are you actually making it work with art?
3: Um, well, it's actually a little bit of both. I, I do have a full-time job. Um, I work for uh, NECA and WizKids, which um, if you're not familiar with them, we do uh, licensed uh, products. So we do movies, we do TV shows, we do um, comic books, um, I've been there for 12 years now. Um, and in the last, uh, I would say five years, I've been working almost solely on, um, a game called hero clicks. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> which is, uh, you know, little miniatures and it's a, it's a combat strategy game. Um, and so, uh, I started there as a graphic designer. Um, and so I get to, to kind of, Uh, quench my creative thirst a little bit there too Um, and then over the years uh, I've moved up, I'm now the creative director Um, and so obviously get to do a lot of fun stuff that way, working with the different licenses So
1: how many conventions do you do a year? I try to do uh,
3: four to five a year Um, I usually stay within driving distance uh, of of where I live. And so uh, last year was the first year I'd ever done Boston. Um, Well, last year was
1: an odd year to pull
3: to go to Boston, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, it was. And, and, uh, you know, a little scary. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know if I should drive up. I didn't know what was going on. Um, None of us
1: knew for quite a while. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, But then when, you know, when, we finally had it. They finally had it in what, August, I guess it was. Yep. It was was a fantastic show. And, uh, you know, I plan on doing it, you know, every year going forward. So you're in artists
1: alley, Mm -hmm. which is this wonderful (laughs) fishbowl for lack of a, excuse me, for lack of a better term. Um, and last year you did New York, you did Boston, you did a couple of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's it like for an artist who isn't a headliner?
3: Um, I think the biggest thing is attracting people's attention. It's it's um, it can be rough. It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, there, there's uh, most people. Like to walk down kind of the middle of the aisle, um, uh, far enough away from both sides uh, of the table set up that they don't really have to engage with you. Um, and so the trick is to try to to try to pull them in. Um, so it can be difficult. It can be kind of a roller coaster of emotions. You know, within the first ten minutes of the show when it opens, it's like, Oh my God, nobody's come to my table yet. This is going to be the worst show ever. You know? (laughs) And then uh, 15 minutes later you have a crowd and it's like, Oh, this is going to be a great show, you know? (laughs) But, um, it, it is, it, it difficult to, to get people to come over. Um, you know, you have to compete with, um, the big names. I think that, um, there's, there's pros and cons to having a bigger name set up near you. Um, you might get some of their traffic, but at the same time, people might walk right past you going to them. So, um, but we do okay.
1: Now, you've not only you know you're not only doing a full time job plus a full time job with art, but you've also spent a lot of your artistic time working for charity as well, mm-hmm. uh, with the Christopher Reeve Foundation, the Make a Wish Foundation, the Susan Komen Foundation. Uh, donating work, donating uh, graphics, and donating time to them. Uh, there, are, why do you do that?
3: Um, I feel like it's a way to to help out. Um, you know, I might not necessarily have the money to donate, um, but I can at least help out in in that way. And, and uh, maybe doing a, a piece that they can auction, or doing a piece they can make into a T-shirt, or You know whatever whatever they need Um, you know it's it's something that I kind of grew up um, you know my parents always believed in helping others and and so I guess they've kind of instilled that in me
1: it's it's a very cool thing to do and uh, let's talk about a a year-and-a-half long project of yours that's still going on <laughs> About
3: actually, actually longer than that, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> November fifteenth, you got a Kickstarter funded. Yep. November thirteenth, twenty thirteen, mm-hmm. for a graphic novel called The Circle, which yep. I've got to tell you looks incredibly cool.
3: Thank you. Um. Uh, and and
1: then the fun began. <laughs> 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 um. Kickstarter is one of those vagaries where some people think the Kickstarter ends and you're done and you've got the product done and, and you're all set to go and you just mail them out and, 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 you know, you swim in, in coins like Scrooge McDuck. (laughs) Uh, The reality, however, for most Kickstarter projects, including this one is significantly different, isn't it?
3: Yes. Yes, it is. And, and to be honest, I, I, I knew that there was going to be a lot of work if it was successful, if it had been funded. Um, The one thing I wasn't prepared for was how much work it took to actually run the campaign while it was live. Um, Yep. (laughs) That was almost a full time, full time job by itself. And um, you know, that was, I was, I was planning on working on uh, illustrations and stuff while the, the campaign was live. And I just, I didn't have time. It was so so intense keeping up with you know requests for publicity and and um just questions from backers or people that were uh looking to back it. Um but you know, I, I go back to my roller coaster of emotions talk about uh conventions. I mean Kickstarter was the ultimate <laughs> roller coaster. Um you know, you start out you usually start out kind of blazing hot and then it tails off in the middle and you're thinking no this is never going to happen and then at the end it it picks up steam again Ed you you met your goal yep and
1: we are now in July mhm where are you at
3: <laughs> um it's going slower than expected which i'm I'm sure you're not surprised to hear it um, i think that I might be a few months late, but not not too bad considering uh, the intense intensive uh, amount of work that it, that's going into it. Um, it's actually I, I just want to clarify one thing: it's an illustrated novel; it's not a graphic novel. I'm sorry. Um, no, that's okay. Um, it's it's really more like the old uh, pulp pulp fiction uh, magazines where Um, it's kind of prose, uh, interwoven around illustrations. Um, so it's not the sequential art, uh, you know, with, with word balloons and and things like that. Um, but basically each page is, is a fully painted illustration. So, um, so it's taken some time. (laughs) So how do you feel about the way it's going? I'm impatient, um,
1: Typical from an artist's point of view. Right. I I, want to get
3: it done, damn it. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with the work that I've done already on it. I just wish that more of it was done. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm proud of, I'm proud of what's been done and I, I can't wait for it to be fully completed to share it with people.
1: The sample graphics that I've seen are kind of incredible. Uh, I love the character development. Uh, as other people have said, your style is uh very much your own, and you bring that to the graphic nature of this book quite nicely It, it looks phenomenal, and Thank I'm just you. wondering when you're done with uh putting together uh, sending out to all the people who supported the Kickstarter are is the circle going to be available
3: uh, I hope so um I'm talking to a few publishers, um, nothing concrete yet, but, um, you know, part of what the Kickstarter was, was designed to do was at least give me an initial print run. Um, Mm -hmm. so that, that will happen. There will be printed copies. There will be digital copies. Uh, right now it's just a question of how it's going to be distributed.
1: Very cool. That that sounds like a lot of fun. Now, for those of you who uh, are listening going, can I see some of his work? We're going to put up links to some of his work. Uh, one of his special uh, prints, strictly for Boston Comic-Con, is going to be the visual piece for this podcast. So when you look it up on the website, you'll see that there. And uh, my understanding is you also have a, a promotion you'd like to talk about Strictly for Boston Comic Con.
3: Yep, that's right. The uh, the first five people that come to my table and mention Sci-Fi Saturday Night uh, get a free print. How cool Ooh. is that? <laughs>
1: uh, I, I, I we can't do it?
4: Oh damn it!
1: Oh <laughs> uh, well.
3: Well, I can only okay. you up now. <laughs>
1: You know, I'll tell you what, it, it's good stuff, Brian. I cannot wait uh, to see you at Boston. Uh, I've actually ordered a little something on the side, it <laughs> uh, because it was super cool. And, uh, Brian, thank you for talking to us on the show. We'll see you at Boston in three and a half weeks.
3: Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, Brian. Have a great Take time. Care. Bye-bye. Bye. And now...
1: Um, We have some news, so I I was about to say, and now? The news.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Premature calculation. (laughs) I was so ready.
1: Evidently. That's like one in a row.
4: Uh,
1: Okay, what do we want to talk about? You're getting way too comfortable with that soundboard. A little bit. Okay, Kriana Sombrarian. What do we want to talk about?
2: I want to talk about something that I don't know if Kriana knows about, but it's going to make her happy. hmm Uh oh. hmm For those of you who don't know this. Our dear Creana is, like, the world's biggest fan of the awesomely bad movies. The series that includes The Mummy and The Mummy Very Returns true. and The Scorpion King. She really loves them a lot. I do. Even The Scorpion King. And so, when I saw that Dwayne The Rock Johnson... Is yet again making a foray into the film genre of Uh ancient times and magical powers and heroes. What's what's doing? I was really excited to tell her all about it, and I wanted to do it on air. Dwayne the Rock Johnson—you can smell what he is cooking. (laughs) <laughs> and he's going to play Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. That, that noise on air was just what I wanted in life. A little,
1: a little teeny tiny squee.
2: <laughs> and so that's not really news for anyone except people like Kriana and admittedly me who really enjoy awesomely bad movies. But if you do, know that there's if you do, no one coming. We got your one way. coming for you. <laughs> it looks yeah. awesomely it's bad. The Rock Johnson. There are giant lions. <laughs> it can't
1: possibly be anything better. If
2: the trailers giant are lions? accurate, cool. if the trailers are accurate, the lions are about the size of a rhinoceros.
1: Nice.
2: Yeah. Perfect. It's like someone was like, "Well, we have this old footage of a lion," and someone else said, "Okay, we'll just paste it in there,
1: and we'll have the rock." Don't look like worry about aspect ratio, size, any of that stuff. Yeah, just just green screen it in; it'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, you Is know? Is it? it? Know, uh, uh, well, yeah, absolutely. If it's a Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie.
4: Yeah, aka also uh, for awesome. those of you
1: who are watching Falling Skies, uh, and I am—I cannot get enough of this. Uh, Doug Jones is his role has, has expanded so. Do not do not get <laughs> that. that's the like that's the librarian right there. Noah Wiley finally got a great role, and um, uh,
2: I believe he's the archivist. Yeah, we He's don't call the, those movies The Librarian in, in this house. He's oh, not a librarian. Good. He's an archivist.
1: <laughs> the archivist. da da da, da. Whatever. <clears throat> this season four of Falling Skies took off with a bang and just, just exploded, and it's been phenomenal. And it's fun to watch, and it's fun to deal with, and uh, I couldn't be happier with it. Doug Jones has now uh, got... Uh, top uh, head billing in the show and uh, his character is phenomenal. Noah Wiley is Noah Wiley. Uh, (laughs) But the show itself has just been wonderful. Great to watch. Fun to watch. uh, Making sense, unlike season one. and uh, It's cool stuff. It's, It's worth watching. Worth checking out. Normally it's one of those things that I would do a Netflix binge on. But uh, it's been so good that I've actually just been watching it week by week by week, and being annoyed that I'm not being able to watch like seven hours in a row.
2: Speaking of watching, so there's seven that hours in a row of something. Oh, hello. So big. Um, well, it's actually your news dome. But Kriana and I plan on watching several hours in a row of *Orphan Black* sometime soon because we have not yet seen season two or oh, the end well, of the season one. Eight. Honestly, or the last episode of season one, because oh, we were scared you it would end. Uh,
1: Why do we need to get on? Why do we need to get on that? Uh, because oh no! Sorry. Oh, no! It's interesting. <laughs>
2: God. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually one of the
1: most well acted genre shows out there right now. I mean, she is just amazing. And uh, I the like longer how we don't even try does... to pronounce her name anymore uh, uh, Alice Livingston.
4: Yeah, I don't that's my think new that's name it. For her
1: because it's Alice Livingston, who stars in Orphan Black. Go ahead, Kriana. Tell me your name.
4: I, I don't actually know what her name is. <laughs> what is her
2: actual name? That's the problem, Doman. I can't pronounce <laughs> Alice it. Alice Livingston. All right, let's see.
4: Um... <laughs> it's Alice so
1: Livingston. Kriana's going to look it up right now. I'm, look-
4: I'm literally looking it up right now. I think it's Russian, right? It's like... It is... I can't find it. Hang on. Well, let me look her up on IMDb. I, I clicked into the, I clicked <laughs> into the article, and it doesn't seem to be right there. So let me just.
1: uh... It's not really even an article. Oh god.
4: No, it's just sort of. Hey, this happened.
1: Hey, yeah. That's that's, that's our about. job. Yeah, oh, I mean, her name's not, not that hard. Fighting.
4: Tatiana Mazlani. Fine. Okay. Why is Look. that
2: that
1: hard? Alice Livingston. Fine. Uh, Tatiana
2: Maslani. She has a beautiful name.
1: It is a beautiful name. I wish I could pronounce it.
2: I can. I can get the Tatiana part, but her last name always
4: jinkies. Exactly.
1: Uh, one thing that uh, uh, I want to talk about before Kriana does her interview with uh, Mr. Blackwell Inkwell. Bob Allman. I'm Ikies. sorry. Uh, <laughs> what is that?
4: Called? What? Uh,
1: I just want to uh, talk about an artist, uh, a writer, who was on. Artist the show.
4: writer, what's the diff? Uh,
1: it's a big difference. Uh, C.J. Henderson has has had an ongoing battle with cancer for an awfully long time. Our friends in Silence in the Library Publishing did a uh, a Kickstarter book to help his medical expenses while he battled cancer and unfortunately this week he lost that battle Uh, he was a terrific writer a true original uh, an interesting man to talk to and uh, he will be missed Uh, CJ uh, was on our show once Uh, we met him at conventions two or three times he was always an interesting guy and and uh our friends at Silence in the Library, thank you for all the work that, that you did to help out. And uh, CJ will miss you.
4: That's that's the truth. So, there's Now,
1: that. Kriana.
4: Weren't we supposed to do that first?
1: We were, and I forgot.
4: Oh,
1: Jesus. Because I got into something else, and then I didn't. Because that's what happens. All because right. stuff. And now it's time for the Blackwell Awards. <sighs>
0: Jesus. Yeah. Now that we're all depressed. <laughs>
4: <laughs> seriously. Seriously. So, I think we're all familiar with the Inkwell Awards by this point in time.
1: At least from us, from our point of view, absolutely.
4: So, so why don't? So, what's what's new and exciting with the Inkwell Awards
0: this year? Oh, it's funny you should ask that, Karina. Uh We just ended our season. Our eighth season, go in our seventh year, and we just had our first live—not first, our fourth live ceremony at the uh, Charlotte Heroes Con last month. So we were able to announce all of the winners. So, if I could read off uh, those nominees and winners, uh,
4: yeah. well, let's just go with winner. So, so like, all
0: right. So, first of all, what's
4: the first category?
0: First category is, uh, no-brainer, favorite inker.
4: Okay, just just your favorite inker who who made stuff in the past year.
0: For the past year, yep. And, uh, and who took that one? So you just want the winners? Well, okay. well, just, well just, just, we'll get there. Just tell me who, who won. The winner was Noam Ratman.
4: And and what does he do, for those of us who aren't familiar with his, his work?
0: I mean, um, obviously
4: not me, but...
0: Action Comics, Forever Evil, Arkham War... Ravagers, Teen Titans, Justice League of America, Nightwing, and Superman.
4: That's awesome. I love Teen. Ti- I love me some Teen Titans. Except for that new Starfire, not a big fan of that.
0: So yeah. I hear about her. You, you know, know, it's a thing.
4: <laughs>
1: um, I can't imagine who talked to you about that, Bob. Say again. I can't imagine who it was who talked your ear off about the new Starfire. Uh, <laughs> might it have been Kriana?
0: It might have uh, been. Man. But we may, we I, may have mentioned it once or twice, but I think uh, you you are a legion uh, online. I've read it elsewhere as well. Yeah,
4: it, it's not just me. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. So so the runner who is the runner up in that category favorite favorite
0: anchor. Okay. You know what? I don't think I have my runners up available here, do I? Listen, you you know, I I hear that wrong it's wrong it. all up on your website,
4: and it's it's very nicely formatted or and organized runner. up
0: there. Yeah, you got me here I... I'm referring to my Third Joe Senni-Making Challenge book Because I don't have it in the paperwork For runners-up
4: I, I hear that it's uh, On your website, very nicely formatted
0: <laughs> Beautifully <laughs> formatted we got a real keeper working on it We're not letting her go <laughs> And so, so the runner-up runner runner was, up was uh, Wade von Graw Badger. Oh. Yeah,
4: and he does lots of X-Men stuff. It looks like.
0: Yeah, you're probably going to have access to that before me. So I yeah, because I can't find who the runner-up was, but it was between. Well, I know the nominees, but yeah, I don't have the runner-up on my paperwork. So,
4: so now the next person who who won. Uh, actually took two categories, right? Correct. So most adaptable and props. So why don't you explain what those mean?
0: Uh, Most adaptable pretty much means that one is an inker who is prolific in various titles. And in doing so, in being so, you have to be pretty adaptable to different inking styles. Um, Whether it's detail work, minimalist work, you know, Dark, gloomy, moody material, or maybe even more light-hearted material. Um, I mean, pretty much that's what inking is. You know, you, if you're not adaptable, I can't imagine you getting a lot of work. Just
4: get out if you can't. Adapt or die.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so this year, uh, Walden Wong actually was the first time he had been nominated uh, in all the years we've been doing this and he for
4: anything or just for this this for anything, category anything, oh. well in our
0: Inc. Hall Awards it's the first time his name has appeared on a ballot and in that first year he took two categories
4: so he took most adaptable and the props award so what's props, that
0: props award is uh, an artist des- Inc. artist deserving of more attention
4: Perhaps well, I, well I guess he got it now,
0: <laughs> now. <laughs> yes uh, that's that's true. Um, so, yeah, he uh, he took both of those, and let's see if I can get you the runner-up, runner-up. I've got the
1: runner-up for both of those awards, and interestingly, it is the same person. So not only did he win both the awards, but Scott Hanna was the runner-up for Most Adaptable and for Props.
0: Oh, okay. You got me there. Didn't even notice that, realize
1: that. <laughs> Which I think is kind of interesting because there are an awful lot of uh, cross within those two awards of people going, Yeah, there's this guy and this guy and and they're both really adaptable. No,
4: well, there's a and, couple. Well there's, a, there's there's a few. There's
1: also Juan Castro who's who was nominated in both awards and uh... i think
0: that's uh... that's the only other was Juan that the ever? other one? one castro is another name that's never appeared on the ballot before and he was nominated in three categories wow better luck next year, Juan wow
1: that's kind of amazing i would imagine
0: he's a new, he's a promising talent so i'd be looking at his work sure. for sure enough
1: people in the nominating committee thought so, absolutely
4: so so the next category is the spammy award
0: the spammy which was actually that title was actually created by Bob Shaw who you may know from different conventions I and may our,
4: know him I, I vaguely recollect
0: yeah. meeting him once or twice He was on my quote core committee uh we were trying to come up a name for a small press independent award and we couldn't for the life of us come up with anything and he said he just suddenly, I think something like he was, while well, he was asleep or in the shower, it just suddenly came to him, and uh, and he contacted us, so it's stuck ever since. Spandy stands for...
4: Well, I'm glad he wasn't asleep and in the shower.
0: Well, that could be. I don't remember the details, <laughs> but uh, it stands for small press and mainstream independent. All right, so... Basically non-Marvel in D.C., um... It it gets a little nebulous when you're dealing with what exactly is considered mainstream these days. Uh, you know, do are we going by sales? Are we going by you know where things wind up in the previews catalog? I mean, there's so many ways to look at it, and we ultimately decided to just limit it to anything beyond Marvel and DC. Doesn't mean we won't change things in the future, but what has made me proud some years is that even when somebody you know really popular and famous let's say like a Todd McFarlane gets a, a nominated for let's say work on Spawn he still doesn't win it's this you know lesser known person who just happened to do incredible quality work on you know a project
4: and that's the spirit of this category
0: exactly that that's when i know that the system works so you gives know, you your
4: faith back in humanity
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not just a popularity contest. That's I mean, right. It may not work out every time, but I don't, it's good to know sometimes, you know, it does. Um, so anyway, in the spammy this year, I believe our winner was Stan Sakai.
4: It was uh, Andrew
0: Petboy. Oh. Oh, yeah, I just jumped ahead. You correct, Korean as usual.
4: Hey, whoever did your website, really top notch.
0: Yeah, I should have. <laughs> Referring to that, but I'm not on the computer unfortunately. Andrew Peapoy, he won for his work on the following Simpson Comics, Fur I don't know how to say this in German, Fur Um, uh, Danger Girl Trinity, Protectors, Incorporated, Simpsons Illustrated, Simpson's One Shot Wonders, Mr Burns, and Simpson One Shot Wonders Professor Frank. I just realized I never did read off Walden Wong's credits, but we've passed that, so I guess we just move on. Well, you'll just
4: have to go to inkwellawards.com to find out what he's done.
0: Correct. Um, so, he won, and uh, Dome, who was the runner-up?
1: The runner-up was Stefano Ghiatti, who did Walking Dead and Bloodshot and Lazarus.
0: Hmm. Oh, okay. It,
1: how do you pronounce it?
4: Wrong, probably.
0: <laughs> Gaudiano,
4: Gaudiano, probably.
0: We actually misspelled his name on the ballot. And oh, no! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we apologize to him personally. Um, but, I mean, he still made one up. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've spelled it correctly ever since, but um, I think... Um, there's not anybody that has a name anywhere like that, as far as I know, in the comic book industry. So, I think we, we spelt it incorrectly, like, without the I, so it was God. Um, but, uh, so he was runner-up. And interestingly, Juan
1: Castro was also in this, uh, yes. in this category as well, which was his third category that he was in.
4: So, and then, the, the last of the, made, well, before we get to the Hall of Fames, so the last award award, would be the All-in-One
0: Award. Which is Stan Sakai, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, he was uh, recognized for his work on 47 Ronin, DHP, which is Dark Horse Presents, and Mouse Guard.
4: And the runner-up was Chris Samney.
0: Right, from Adventures for- of Superman, yep. Batman, Black and White, and Daredevil.
4: So now this year we had two inductees into the Joe Sinat Hall of Fame.
0: Uh, yes, uh, the I could tell you who the nominees were because they're all notable. Uh, the nominees were Dan Adkins, um, one of the early female inking pioneers of the Golden Age, Violet Barclay, a.k.a. Valerie Smith.
4: I hear there's someone on the nomination committee who's going to keep nominating her until she wins.
0: Yeah, she's pretty stubborn about that. <laughs> um, uh, John Beatty Tony Desamiga, Frank Giacoya Bob McLeod Tom Palmer Mike Royer Joseph Rubenstein Joe Simon and Bernie Wrightson and the winner is and the winners were Joe Simon and Tom Palmer
4: uh, And so what, what did they do
0: and Frank Giacoya was runner up uh well, so what didn't they do? Uh we're talking about being recognized for a body, a career worthy body of work. Um so with Joe Simon, you're talking about the co creator of Captain America with Jack Kirby. They were partners for many decades. Uh I believe God, I don't know. There was so many characters they created, I believe Fan Man, Newsboy Legion. Uh I'm not gonna remember everything but Do you think uh, there was
4: something going on there? Just saying. <laughs> no?
0: Um I'm afraid to ask what you mean by that.
4: Don't ask. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean by that. <laughs>
0: um, and they so they were partners for many decades and I mean Simon was known for his writing and his thinking skills. I mean he he was an artist. Um But obviously that guy Jack Kind of broke out on his own At Marvel, among other places Um, And uh, probably got You know, more attention But uh, Joe Simon He he was, I don't know how far He was working, but He did at least get to live To see the Captain America The first Avenger film You know, before he passed passed away Um, But he enjoyed that very much Uh, We had hoped to give You know Recognize him before he passed away, because he was in his 90s, but first couple of years, first few years we did this, it was um, a public vote for the uh, Hall of Fame, and much like other awards organizations probably learned, uh, especially with the Hall of Fame, it becomes a popularity contest, because a lot of voters don't recognize the real masters that were there in the dawn of the comic age in America, and and more contemporary art often wins, so it's, it's been an internal uh, voting system for the last couple of years. Um, so I'm glad he won. I just wish she was around to appreciate it. Uh, the other uh, Hall of Fame recipient was Tom Palmer. Uh, known. He started about the very end of the Silver Age at Marvel Comics. He uh, seemed to appear out of nowhere inking like Gene Colian. Actually, his first job was penciling Doctor Strange and then the very next issue, he was inking Gene Colan, and uh, that became very long association uh, with his partners. Uh, I mean, he's known as being probably amongst the top two inkers that Neil Adams ever worked with, uh, with him and Dick Giordano. Um, Palmer had some like unbroken runs on Avengers for like a decade, among other titles. I mean, he worked on. <laughs> wow.
1: Every-
0: yeah. Yeah. He. I, I don't. I'm not as familiar with his work at DC. I think it was multi model work. Um, definitely one of my influences uh, in, in the uh, art form of inking. Um, and he's still as busy as ever. I mean, he's been inking, I believe, all of the work uh, John Romita Jr. has been doing with Kickass and the related series like Hit Girl and in other. Uh, I, I don't remember his credits offhand. He's been doing lately, but I do recall a few. Few items being listed, so considering he's up there in age, he's pretty active, more active than me. <laughs> um, but he's is been that adding,
1: possible? Seriously, I believe
0: I know it's hard to, to believe, but accept it. It is true. He's, uh, but he's been a gentleman to me uh, when I've had email correspondence with him. Um, he didn't even want to ask any of his friends really to speak for him uh, to accept his trophy at the show. He thought. He'd be, he'd be being too pushy or intrusive on their friendship, things like that. But um, he couldn't make it, unfortunately. But um, but I'm glad he got it, because he's been nominated now for several years in a row. So, But that opens the doors now for some other guys that were...
4: Or girls, just saying.
0: Or girls, or girl.
4: <laughs> mm.
0: yeah. Well, at the moment. Women. Right. Women. There's in general. Women. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, there's so many... It's been such a male dominated industry it's only in the last few years i think that you're seeing more and more of the ladies involved and for that reason it's difficult to get more females in the hall of fame because they have to have at least 25 years behind them i mean, I don't mean in age obviously in career <laughs>
4: <laughs> Yeah, we didn't uh, think that was what you meant
0: yeah you're, yeah, okay. yeah. So, we'll see about that, but uh, I mean, you know, we've, I'm trying to think if any, yeah, I think we've had ladies win in other categories. I believe like Amanda Connor has won in the All-in-One a few years ago, um, and definitely there's been several that have been nominated, so, you know, no impossibility there for sure. It's just that Hall of Fame that has limitations.
1: Now, explain to me uh, why this is the Joe Sinnott Award.
0: Well, we made a decision early on that we wanted to uh, dedicate it to uh, an artist who represented uh, what the the finest uh, uh, example of the craft was, um, who epitomized professionalism and being a real gentleman, which something he's known for, um, it was almost unanimous, I believe, if not totally unanimous, among the core committee, the founding members, that uh, Joe Sinnet is somebody that is uh, most deserving of this kind of distinction. Uh, we did, we did have the first vote. Uh, I guess he could have lost, but we wanted him to feel you know, be, be to be able to, I guess, cherish winning the award. Even though he had other uh, peers that were nominated the first year, uh, he won. Good thing, because it'd be kind of weird for you know somebody else to win for his own award, I guess. Um, and he has been our first special ambassador, uh, representing us on the front lines. And I mean, we've got our Joe City Challenge, and uh, the, he's 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 so excited. I mean, it's it's. Um, We're so just fortunate and proud to have him uh, with us It's added nothing but more credibility and respect, I think, to us uh, To have him so closely associated to us
4: Okay, this may be bad And you you may kill me later for saying this on the show I just assumed he was dead Uh, no (laughs) Well, just because, you know you know, he has his own Hall of Fame. You don't usually get that when you're alive. Well, Half the people in the Hall of Fame aren't I, alive I, anymore.
0: I, well, maybe I'm maybe I'm beating, uh, changing the tradition, but I I feel that you know these uh, I I'd like to see artists uh, be be recognized while they can still appreciate.
4: No, it. I think that's fantastic. I want to meet him sometime. Uh,
0: well, you will. I mean, I believe you've got Rhode Island Comic-Con if you guys are... All
4: right, I'm there. Let's go. We're definitely there. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Yeah, because he, he's like 88 years old now. Um, so And he's still working. He's still inking the uh, Spider-Man newspaper strip written by Stan Lee and penciled by Alex Saviak. Um, and he still does, you know, a lot of commissions. And he works on other occasional items like covers and pinups. ups So, uh Again, he's he's busier than I am. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know if I'll be able to do anything by the time I'm their age, because uh, I can't keep up at half their age.
1: So, Bob, where is the Inkwell Awards going to be throughout the convention season this year? You were already at uh, Hartford Comic Con uh, in May.
0: Yes, the end of May, early June, and we did Heroes to end the season. So our next convention will be the Granite State Con in September, which I believe is September 9 and 10. Um, And then after that, the Rhode Island Con in November. I don't remember the exact dates.
1: Rhode Uh, Island is November 1st and 2nd, and Granite Con is September 13th and
0: 14th. Right. This will be only my second time, I believe, in New Hampshire for the Granite show uh, since I put the Inquil Awards together, and it's the first time we'll be bringing uh, Ms. Inquil out with us.
1: Uh, well, there's a draw for you right there, my friend.
0: Well, we learned long ago when we came up with the Ms. Inquil concept that uh, we were not bringing people into our table at a show with a bunch of us, you know, uh, overweight uh, comic book fans, fanboys, you know, <laughs> standing there, our T-shirts, and, you know, you, you look around, you see all the uh, tables with what's, you know, known as the booth babes, and they're bringing in all kinds of people for obvious reasons, and I just decided that if we're going to do it, we're going to do it in a classy way, where, you know, there's nothing wrong with having, you know, someone be an attractive draw, but at the same time somebody doesn't scare mom and her carriage of kids away, you know, as they're coming down the, the aisle. Uh, you know, she's supposed to represent a professional businesswoman, so could even say she's, you know, an inspiration, uh, you know, and for little girls. And we've had our recent missing quote in a way, especially at Heroes, she was, uh, whenever she saw all the kids, uh, you know, in cosplay outfits, you know, and Sitting around eating and drinking things, she was getting right down with them, and she's a she. Just, she, let, she sings. She does cosplay locally, and she sings and does with a partner of hers a uh, uh, performance as Elsa and Anna, and so she's got this natural thing with the kids. So uh, it, it only builds on the character of our spokesmodel. Um, it's become something hopefully uh, more memorable as time goes on. This uh, Anna has been now. She's broken the records for. Staying with us in this role, she's now done three shows. Granite will be her Con will be her fourth show, and Rhode Island will be her return to that venue.
1: Well, we will see you at GraniteCon. We will also see you at Rhode Island Comic Con. Um, for the listeners out there, you need to get to stuff like this, the Inkwell Awards is the backbone is the history and the future of what makes the comics as good as they are bob thank you for the equal awards thank you for joining us tonight and uh we'll see you soon
0: thank you for having me definitely looking forward to it
1: sounds like a plan
0: All right, my
1: friend. Good night. Good night. Kriana, what's coming up in the next
4: couple of weeks? Well, next week we're talking with Eric Schultz, creator of the comic M3, and also Jeff Vandermeer, author of the really awesomely titled book The Kosher Guide to Imaginary Animals. (laughs) And then on the 26th, uh, we're talking uh, to Brandon Barrows about his wonderful art. And then on August 2nd, Jenny Wood um, talks about her... Writing in general? Yes. Alright, and, and uh, since the dead redhead is not here, Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granicon, Rhode Island Comic-Con, BooksandBooze.com, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music is provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves grooves and moves on LawrenceMadeMeCry.com. And tonight's intro music was provided by the wonderful Rob Watts. Check out his album... Haldifolk? Is it off Haldifolk? It is. Oh, well, I guess our old old music was off Haldifolk, but yeah, our, our but intro music, music is is custom. Thank you, Rob. RobWatts.com. <laughs> RobWattsOnline.com? It, it is RobWattsOnline.com. <laughs> I, I need to update the script, clearly. But go ahead, Dome.
1: I want to thank our guest tonight, Brian Roll, who will be at Artist Sally at Boston Comic Con. And Mr. Fashion himself, Bob Almond, with the Inkwell Awards, who will be at GraniteCon and Rhode Island Comic Con. Gentlemen, thank you both so much. I want to thank our cast tonight for joining us from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and uh, Grammar Girls on who's been beach balled out once again. Thank you very much, ladies. You're welcome.
2: Let's go surfing now
1: <laughs> This is Dome saying genie shared pain is lesson, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night everybody.